Well, what an awesome worship that was this morning on the move. Well, the title for this morning is called We All Have a Treasure Chest. And in uh, Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure chest that a man has discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So, remember we all have a treasure chest. And I was told a story a long, long time ago, and I can't remember whether I learnt it at Sunday school, whether I learnt it at school, but it was a story about a farmer who had a field. And he said to his son, I've buried my treasure chest in the field. So when anything happens to me, you need to bury, you need to dig for me treasure. So when that time came and his father passed away, the son remembered that his dad had told him that there's a treasure chest in the field. So he started digging. And he started digging more and more and more. And he couldn't find this treasure chest. And he just kept digging. And the field was huge. But he kept digging and digging and digging until eventually he dug up the whole field. Thinking that he hadn't found anything. But the farmer down the road was walking past and turns around and says to him, See, you found your father's treasure then. And it was all turning up the land, getting it ready, preparing it for the seed that was going to go in. That was how the father, farmer saw his treasure was his field. And remember, we've all got a treasure chest and we all should have a field. So a long time ago, as some of you will remember, Pastor Tony was over in Australia. And he was told while he was there that he was to bring back a treasure chest. So important was this treasure chest that he wasn't bringing it on his own. But he was told that two angels were guarding this treasure chest. Now this was quite a few years ago. And I'm sure you can see that over the years, this church has certainly been blossoming because of how much Pastor Tony has got alongside, prayed in there, seen the word of God for us and for out there. And there's one thing that you can always, always say about this house. We are never given milk. We are always given solid food. There's plenty of good food on the banqueting table in this house. It's never, ever been short. God has always, always spoke to us. Why? Because the leadership have pushed in God. They have wanted what God wants, not what they think the church needs. Pastor Tony has fought for years in there, in the Legacy Center, praying before God, seeking God for us to get out in this move that we sang about this morning, to get up and go out there. Why? For the kingdom of God. It's all about God's kingdom. It's not about us. So quite a few years ago, in fact, the last time I went to Malaysia, God told me that I was to go and bring a treasure chest back for kids' church. And I was all excited. And I was so excited about picking up this treasure chest. And I wanted it the first day we got there. But it was like, no. These things I want you to learn. These things I want you to capture in your heart. Because you've got to find out how to open it. And I thought, ah, yeah. Never thought of it like that before. So we do the conference that was there. And we learned so much that I had to really come back and look and think about what had been said and what God had said. Because you are given so much there, you can't possibly take it all in. 
So you write down, you know, really fast what you can and hope you can read it when you get back home. (laughs) And seek God in all this, what are you speaking to me about to do for you? So on the last night, Dr. Jonathan David called everybody down, everybody down to the front. And that's a lot when you've got probably nearly a thousand people in that building. And he prayed for every single one of us. And as he was coming towards me, and I closed my eyes, I could see like two warriors carrying a chest, walking towards me. And as Dr. Jonathan prayed over me, I felt the weight of this chest in my arms. He said, now go and take it back. So we brought it back. I shared it with the girls. We seeked God. We prayed. And we started to see a difference in the children. We started to see a hunger for God more. And as the more we prayed, the more the desert chest was open and we could put our hand in and pull out what God was asking us to use. And We saw amazing things. We saw the children starting to speak in tongues. We saw the children starting to get pictures and images for themselves as well as for others. And it was wonderful to see the growth of the children and how we explained to them that the importance of them having a relationship with God. It wasn't about the God of mum and dad. It was about their God. And they had to learn to have that relationship with God and how to get it. And we started to see wonderful things. We started to see each child blossom individually as well as corporately. And then the time came when they were to move on to the next level. And I always don't like losing them to the next level. But it's right that they should go into the youth and start another part of their journey and learn another process of what God wants for them in their lives. Because we're building warriors. And we carried on doing what we'd always done. And a year had gone by before we started to really see that this wasn't working with this level of children. Totally different children, totally different backgrounds, some of them. Some of them had um, learning difficulties. And it was a totally different set of children to what we'd had before. But we hadn't realized that we'd just stood still. Because it was working. We'd got used to it, so we'd got familiar. We'd got too familiar with it. And now we're at a place where we're saying, we need to seek God more. We need to delve in this treasure chest more. Because you know the amazing thing about a treasure chest, God's treasure chest, it doesn't have an end. It doesn't have a bottom. If you think, ladies, you've got a jewelry box, It only goes so far. And you might be shoving things around and going, oh, I'll wear that today. But you realize that you start to wear the same pieces of jewelry all the time. And when you find a nice one, you go, oh, that's for best. But best never comes. And sometimes we're like that with what God's for us. We get used to it. We get comfortable with it. I mean, I'll be honest, in there, I'm comfortable. Standing here where I am right now, I don't like it. I don't like looking teaching you a lot, <laughs> but I know what God's saying. I want you to get used to this. I want another level because you don't know what I'm going to ask you to do further down the road. And you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared. So look at the treasure chest. It's like, it's amazing because it doesn't end. There's always more in there. There's, oh, it's not like the food cupboard. You go into this week, you think, oh, I've not done the shopping. What am I going to do? It never ends. And the amazing thing it is, is that God has said in his word, I've already gone before you. I've already gone before you. I've equipped you with everything that you need. But it's a decision that we have to make. A daily decision that we have to make. Are we going to use 
what's in the treasure chest that God has given us? Are we going to look and seek him and see what have we got familiar with? What have we just done it because it's the routine? We are creatures of habit. And we don't even realize it. And even if you think you're whacking wild and you like to do things different, guess what? There's even a routine in you being wacky. You can't get away from the fact that human beings have a routine. No matter how odd it is, we have one. So therefore, then, what are we like with God? Are we like that with God? And not realizing it because you're letting life, everyday life, take over. So thinking about this treasure chest and looking at the effects that it had on the children, I started to look at, what about me? Have I got familiar with God? Have I got familiar with my daily walk? Have I got familiar with what I'm doing? And I need to dig more and more and draw closer and closer to God. I mean, the wonderful thing is with the Lord is you can never get too close to God. You can never get too close to him. It's wonderful because the deeper you go, he shows you another level. And that's what's wonderful. He never runs out. He never says, well, I'm not sure about that. I'll have to get back to you. He always knows. He always knows before things have happened. He always knows what the solution is. It's just that sometimes we don't. Because we've not stopped. Looked at the word. And one of the things that I've really, really found to be another gem in the treasure chest has been ADT. Now, some of you have already done ADT. But those of you who haven't, I would really, really encourage you to to look at doing ADT when this new year starts. Because the nuggets and the gems that I've been learning about, and some of it has been in the field, but there's so much in there. And what one of the things that I realized I got familiar with was the word. Oh, I know that story. So when you read it, oh, I know that story. And God says, oh, dear, do you know the story? Really? Well, let me show you something. And one of the things that we've been learning is how to take a very small piece of scripture and how to stop and really look, what is that little verse saying? What's he trying to say to you? What's he meaning? And actually... The closer I've looked at it, it's been, wow. It's been like an explosion. Wow, I never saw that before. I never realized the depth of that. And so for me, the word is really starting to become alive to me. I've lived, I've lived, I mean, you all know my story a few years ago when I had cancer. I had to learn how to stand on his word. I had to learn to move with God and not stand back and go, oh, woe is me and fall on the floor. That wouldn't be anywhere. But looking at what we've been doing in ADT has really, really showed me a different level. It's really made me, I feel like I've opened the tress and now I'm digging deep. I'm bending in it now. I'm not just touching and putting my hand in. I'm starting to dig in because that's what God wants. One of the other things that is, and it's a simple thing, is doing the prayer walk. I don't know whether any of you have, have engaged in that, but years ago when we used to do it, you'd get churches together, we'd go around the town and we'd start declaring and pulling things down. But this way that past shown us about just walking and just looking and praying, it really does open your eyes. And one of the things that God told me is, don't look at a house and judge it just because it looks all nice and posh. It might look beautifully maintained outside, but it might be falling to pieces inside. 
with relationships and, and, you know, single parents. You don't know what's going on behind that door. The same way is with a house that might look tatty and needing a bit of a TLC for outside, but they could be the most wonderful family together, supportive, close together. You don't know. And he said, don't judge a house by the way it looks. But I need you to be sensitive to me, to what I'm about to ask you to pray for that house, that street. And even if you can't get out and about, you can certainly walk around your own street. You can certainly walk up and down it and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to pray for in my street? One of the things that God has shown me when I was walking was the new school that's been built up near me. It's not finished, but there's about two years in it. And one of the things God said to me, the word hope sprung into my mind. He said, the lack of hope. And I found myself praying Lord, give these young people a mindset to learn. Because it was like there was no hope for the future. They felt there's no hope for the future. And God said, there is a hope in me. Pray for the mindset to learn, to give them the hope for the future so that they can earn money for their families, so that they can live. It's not about hurling, you know, saving up loads and loads of money and living the life of Ryla. Some people are just thankful if they've got enough money to put food on the table. And God is saying, what we don't realize is our young people think things that like that. Well, have I got a hope for the future? Have I got that hope that I can learn all this to get a good job? So God was really clear about praying Give them a mindset to learn, God, for their future so that hope is there. But the greatest hope is in Christ. We know that. But listening to what pastor's saying, doing the prayer walk, praying the simplest prayers, it's amazing how God then takes you a little deeper the next time you walk. The next time, because you start to get more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That is pushing in to your treasure chest. That is you deeping in, you know, digging deeper to get what's in there. We've all got a treasure chest. It's Christ. It's Christ in us. It's how we use it. How we don't get familiar to it. You all know in the service roughly what's going to happen but when pastor told me about changing the way we sat that would have thrown us it would have thrown me because that's not what we normally do well guess what god doesn't do things normal if we want to see their miracles we've got to dig deep in our treasure chest which means walking alongside him closer reading his word closer talking to him and listening to the holy spirit I found that I am learning. I've had to unlearn to relearn some of these things that God is showing me. And a lot of it is coming through ADT. Thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> is, it, is this loud enough? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Right. I'm going to tell you a story that's got absolutely nothing to do with going overseas. Absolutely nothing to do with proclamations and prophetic words about what you're going to get when you get there. In fact, at the time this story came around, I'd never even heard of Malaysia. None of us had been anywhere. It was 1997-ish. I can't even remember the time, I'm being honest. And I was what was called a senior account manager. Senior account manager in my job, which was in telecoms, basically meant I could sell bigger boxes and longer wires. It was rather not a real, wasn't anything great. And I've been doing it for about six or seven years. I was bored. And that's not always a good place for me. Not always a good place. The other thing was I was traveling a lot because... The company I was attached to, or the client, was down in Horsham. 
So every week I had like a 200-knot mile drive down, three days there, 200-knot mile back. And one day I was listening to Radio 4 because it was the Archers just after. So let's not get intellectual here. I listened to the Archers at the times. And it was about an after. It was just a little two-minute snippet about something called the Melbourne Accords which was the way in those days that the big global telecoms used to sort the bills out, right? Because everybody makes international calls from country to country and everybody uses different telcos, but everybody shares the same stuff. So how do you sort the bills out? And it was basically about that. More specifically, it was about the way they did the indirect tax. Now, I'm not going to bore you to death with VAT and all the rest of it because that sends everybody to sleep. But just to know that in... In the global sense, sorting out your indirect tax and your VAT is a huge problem. And in the UK, it's an even bigger problem because financial industries like banks, building societies, insurance companies can't claim it back. So when you go to your shop and you pay the VAT, your retailer claims that back. Great, fine. Banks, things can't. And at the time, the VAT rate was about 15%. So if you, for example, had to spend a £10 million a year on telecoms, that's one and a half million quid you weren't getting back. And that hurt them. So this Melbourne Accord seemed to be showing me a way that you could get around that. And I thought, ooh, I'm a bit bored. I wonder if. So by the time I got to Horsham, I'd already rang... The, the head of indirect tax in my company, and he went, yeah, I've heard of them, just been on a seminar, which I think what the radio thing was talking about. Yeah, he said, it's very interesting, yeah, yeah, right. So I rang up the client head of VAT, and he went, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, that was quite interesting. I said to them both, would you be interested if there was a way forward of using that? And they went, yeah. I mean, why not? So I managed to find... Um, some people that would work with me, not many, because like I'm supposed to be selling boxes and wires, not financial ways of avoiding paying tax. But nonetheless, they went with it. And we put a little bit of a team together. Now, the team was me, a barrister that had just done the Northern Ireland Accords and a business manager who hadn't got a clue about anything because he'd just come from another bank because he'd been made redundant. And that was it. But what we did is we sat down and we couldn't find an issue. We couldn't find anything wrong. And basically what I managed to prove was that all the services were bought in Switzerland. And because they were bought in Switzerland and consumed in the UK, they didn't incur, at that time, BT. And so we went back to our head of tax and said, does this work? And they took it to some VAT consultants, and they went, we can't find anything wrong with it. It seems to work. So we built the business case, and so far, everybody was going okay with it. But then, we sort of got the wind, or at least... Our senior, our big board got the wind that something like this was going on. So the guy, uh, the head of BT, the BT company secretary, was going on a six-week uh, trip on a race around the world on a boat. And he said to his oppo, I'm going to leave you, but I've heard about this deal. Uh, it's wrong. And do not sign it off. Whatever you do, don't sign it off. Because we'll be like smelly poo. So he went away, we built the case, couldn't find anything wrong with it, couldn't get it signed off. Until my boss's boss went up one day to the floor and just saw the guy that was a deputy and said, look, I've got this deal that I really would like you to sign off. And he said, what's that one? Told him, hey, I've heard about that. I liked it. My boss told me, on fear of death, that I wasn't to sign it off. But I think it's brilliant. And he signed it off. Straight away. So all that left to be done was build it all up, get out there, and get it signed. Now, IT guys don't understand tax. Why should they? Right? So the head of IT and the client was like, I don't want to sign this. I really don't want to sign it because I don't understand it. So I'm not going to do it. And on the day that we were supposed to sign it, he was going off 
funnily enough, to Switzerland. And he said, I'm not signing this because I don't approve it, I don't understand it, and I don't think it'll make me any money. Fine. Don't sign it then. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to offer me anything different? I went, there isn't anything different. It is what it is. Your head of VAT wants it. Your head of tax wants it. I'm off if you're not going to sign it. So he went out in a huff, leaving me, a barrister, and a business manager saying, what do we do? What do we do? I went, nothing. We don't do anything. A few minutes later, five minutes before he was due to leave to go on his plane to Switzerland, he signed it. Big surprise there. Now, my boss was with us. Where are we going with this? Stay with it. At the time when we signed that, several things were happening all at the same time. The first, and the reason why they were all getting really, really stressed, was because the day we signed it was the day the Chancellor happened to have called an emergency autumn budget, part of which was to shut the loophole down. That was the truth. And we got it signed before the loophole was shut. So although other companies couldn't use it, we could. So it had to be signed. We did it. It was pouring down. It was November. And you're thinking, well, that sounds great, Andy, but so what? No, no, the so what comes in in a minute. But at the time, this is how me and Cheryl were. My boss pulled me out and said, oh, we've got to go for a pint. I said, no, I've got paperwork to do. The truth was I had less than £2 in my pocket, just enough for a cup of tea on the train on the way home. I had a big hole in my shoe and my feet were wet. We were absolutely penniless in that respect. And he actually physically yanked me by my collar into a pub and bought me a pint. And then I thought, well, that's all right. I can cope with that. So I went back. Well, that's the situation we were with. Afterwards, there was a couple of things that came out. So the week after, the other thing about this deal was that they had to prepay the VAT. Oh, they had to prepay everything. So in fact... Three days later, I went and picked up two cheques totaling £32 million, which BT didn't pay me on because they didn't like it, because they'd got told off from the Chancellor, and I got a snotty email. My head of indirect tax got a really snotty email from the private personal secretary of the Chancellor Exchequer saying, you've really cheesed him off, don't do it again. He thought it was funny and I thought it was hilarious. But and he, because of the security, I never got to see the email. <laughs> he wouldn't let me see it. The thing was, I got no money for it. I just did it. But what was that all about? At the time, I'll now tell you why I told you that story. At the time, I was being obedient before God. It wasn't a special thing. That's just how I was. I was enjoying a relationship with the Lord that I was fully enjoying. It was the sort of heart-to-heart relationship. And this is where I start to tell you a little bit about why we've got to do what we've got to do. Now, the thing is, the first thing is, I got absolutely nothing out of that. Nothing. All my senior managers, it was allowed that they got their target and all that sort of great stuff. I didn't. I was frowned on for that. And loophole had closed, so we were allowed six months to spend the money. We managed to spend £26 million in six months, which was quite nice. Thank you very much. Bought lots of boxes and lots of long wires. But I was being obedient. I was being obedient. And I was earnestly seeking his heart because I was so far out of my comfort zone, you couldn't have seen it with a telescope. I had no idea what I was doing. But the strange thing was, the more I sought him, the more more easier it became. In fact, to the point that I was waking up in my wonderful bed and breakfast room, which I block booked in Paddington, where you could move various things out of the way. It was not luxurious, I can assure you that. My grade at that time was not good. But... I was waking up with solutions to things I didn't even know what were. Seriously, 
what they were. And I'd go into the office, and the guys would say, I think we've got a problem. And I went, is that the answer? They went, yeah. How did you know? Didn't. And I was working purely in grace. I was working the field that God had given me. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was working. And the more I kept on working, the more I kept on seeking, the more the answers flowed. And they were creative answers. They weren't just ordinary answers. They were almost like sparkling. They were like gems of answers. I actually didn't get anything out of that. So I said, as I said, sent the next six months spending money. They wouldn't allow me to move anyway because I had to be anchored to this contract until it ran its way. Three months after that, I got a tap on the shoulder from the consultancy part of the business and went, do you want a job? So although I got nothing out of it, less than a year later, the guy gave me a job offer within the company that was an increase of 50% and a guaranteed bonus. So there we are. Now, that started 15 years of deals that should never have happened because it kept on happening. Year after year after year, things, weird stuff I used to create out of nothing. And it was brilliant. But what did I, did I know about any of this stuff? Did I know about treasure? Did I know about fields and stuff? Well, I'd heard about fields. I mean, everybody had heard about that. But treasure chest, no, not a clue. Even though it's there, never really saw it in that context. And it was before the teaching. And it's only since I've been back that I've seen this happening. Now, let me draw some, some sort of like conclusions here, some, some points, shall we say. First thing, you're going to find your treasure in the field that God's given you. That's the first thing. So don't start looking for, if you're actually good with kids, don't start thinking you're going to find your treasure chest somewhere, you know, work, working with insurance. It ain't happen. Go with what God's given you to work with and where your passion is. Second thing, it's not about you. Absolutely not about you. The deal I did, I got nothing out of it. I did it because I was being obedient. It was interesting intellectually. Of course it was. It was grateful. But I didn't do it for me. I had the suspicion early doors when we had this trouble with the board that I wasn't going to get you know, voted the account manager of the year. So I didn't do it for me. Number three, be obedient. Be obedient. Some of the stuff that I was coming out with, some of the ideas, I had no idea what they meant. Be obedient. This morning, we've been, and I was thinking about this when I saw some of the words. You know, when it was like, you know, Miracles happen, bodies are raised, people are healed. Who's going to do it? Are you going to lay hands on a dead person? Are you going to be the cause of that miracle? Are you going to be obedient when he asks you to do it? Or are you just going to walk by? Be obedient. Next thing. And I would argue, almost, because there is a, a form of obedience that we can follow without actually causing too much effort. We can all kind of tithe. We can do the work. We can put the chairs away. We can get it, and, and we can do it mechanically, pastor said. No, no, no. Don't do that. Seek his heart. Seek his heart. Do it because you love him. Yeah. Do it because that's what your heart and his heart's telling you to do. Do it not to please you, not to please the customers, to please him. Do it as a sacrifice of worship. Solomon, I've got scriptures for these. Song of Solomon, let his hand go into the latch of your heart. Because as much as you're put, he's putting his hand into your heart, he gives you the ability to put your hand into his heart. And you open the treasure chest. That's the thing. Above all things that opens the treasure chest. You may have a treasure chest, but it's no good if it's, the lid's down. 
The way to open the treasure chest is your heart. Absolutely. The next one. This is the big one that we both found. When it becomes easy, be frightened. When you do the same thing because it works, be frightened. Phil was making a great illustration last week about the plot, about allotments. And it's absolutely true. If you over plant or if you plant the same crop year after year, it'll stop in the same place. You have to rotate your crops. You have to keep moving. I will go where you go. I will do as you say. And you have to be courageous and bold. Because when it's easy, you don't have to be courageous. You don't have to be bold. You just do what you do. That, I think, is the big one. So beware if it becomes easy. And then move when he moves. That's, if you wanna re- I've got references for all this, but that's the truth. Your God will be my God. I will go where you go. And be bold. Just do it. Now, the thing about it as well, and this is, this is really something I've been thinking about for some time. This diff- you can have different, in your field, I've come to my personal conclusion that you can have different crops in your field. I can grow potatoes, I can grow cabbages, I can grow flowers. What does he want you to plant? And where? Because it's, that's the way he is. John and I have got plots on the allotment down the road. And we could grow anything we want. But we have to choose what we want. And there's a season for that. And there's a season for sowing. We know all of that. But all, it's no surprise that all these scriptures are related. Now, if I had time, I would love to talk about the types of soil. You know, it says, and some fell on good soil, some fell on thorny soil. I'd love to talk about that because God's been showing me some stuff about that that I think is just brilliant. So, we've gone over. Do apologize. But, I'll be honest. I'm exactly like Cheryl now. I've come out from work. I stopped doing, I recognized some time ago that I'd stopped doing exactly things. I wish somebody had told me then what we knew now sort of thing. Because I'm like Cheryl. I got stuck in my ways in a way. I was still plenty successful, but not for doing the sort of things I'd love to do. And then things had changed. What you can sometimes do, for me, I started doing the same things, but in different environments. So I started going overseas. So, but I was doing a similar sort of work. So it felt different, but it wasn't. I didn't reflect the environment. I didn't reflect the nature or the season in which I was. The other thing. Gold isn't silver. Pearls aren't diamonds. And wood isn't metal. Don't give God wood. Don't give him a wooden cup when he's give you silver. Don't give him a gold-plated cup when he's give you gold. Learn to use what you've got. When you find you've got gold and silver, I'll put money that you'll have diamonds and jewels. He wants you to create jewellery. He wants you to create beautiful things. Whether that is in terms of, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like sure was saying, the children was doing this, the children were doing that. The children was where they shouldn't have been in spiritual terms, but they were. And that is such a wonderful sight before God. You're using everything I've given you. You're making things beautiful. Your heart is soft. And it talks about crowns. It talks about jewels in scriptures a lot. He doesn't give you a treasure chest just to have, you know, a plate and a cup. He wants jewelry. He wants beautiful things. That's what we're here to do. Miracles are beautiful things. Are you going to do it? So here we are. And this is what Cheryl said. And I, you know, all I know is what I used to be good at. And that's the truth. Here I am, retired. I know what I used to be good at. Ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. 
like Cheryl, I'm having to unlearn. If I'd have known when I started having kids that they breed, I don't think I'd have bothered. <laughs> don't think I'd have bothered. I'd have stayed with dogs. What? I wanted, I had these visions when I retired of studying, finishing off my master's and going on and doing a doctorate. A doctorate? I'm a doctorate in childcare now, for God to say. He loves it, really. Shit, <laughs> Honestly. What? What? And I sang, God, what's all about? And he just laughs. He laughs. The bottom line is this. Time passes and God moves on. But it's my choice if I follow and more importantly, it's my choice how I follow. Mm. And with that, conclude, because that's the same for every single one of us. Amen? Yes. Amen. You know, it, comes, it dawns on me that more and more people are beginning to retire around us. It is. It's true, and, uh, but it's an opportunity. I've said this before. Retirement is an opportunity to do the things you maybe never could do before because you had commitments. And one of the things we ask in ADT is this. What is your passion? You know, I'm not giving you free stuff this morning. You have to come to ADT to get this stuff because there's definitely stuff I pour out in there I don't pour out in here. And uh, it's only right to give it to the people who seriously want ADT rather than just distribute it on a Sunday. And uh, Sunday's for a different purpose. But one of the things we do talk about in ADT is finding your field, because it's so important that you find your field. And you say to yourself, well, what... I mean, Andy used the illustration of, what did I get out of what I was doing? You don't need to get anything out of it in order to be obedient. You just need to do it. That's it, full stop. Now, if you do get something out of it, Absolutely, that's fantastic. But it's many things God does behind our back. God's doing more behind our back than he's doing in front of your face. And you always want, and I always want an explanation before we do something. You have to stop thinking like that and start thinking of obedience. I remember when Andy was going through that. I remember the conversation we had. And because uh, you're, touching, you're touching powers and, uh, and principles that have been part of the institution of our nation for a long time when it's the tax and things like that and uh, and I know I remember at the time he was pushing a boundary that never been touched before so and that's good when you're obedient God can take you where you never thought you could go really it's so it's so true and the issue is is when you say some of you may be thinking to yourself well why should we go prayer walking I can only think of one answer just one, one answer that trumps everything. Do you know what it is? Because God told us to. Don't need to think about, well, what was it achieving? Just do it because God told us to. And if you keep prayer walking, let's wait for the results. You go and have the scan, but you don't get the results right there, do you? Right. So let's trust God and be obedient to God. Whenever you can go prayer walking, please go prayer walking. What about, I don't like this and I don't like that and how far do I have to walk? Please use your common sense. How far do I have to walk? As far as you want to. Now we've just dealt with that one now straight away, haven't we? Well, what happens if I can't walk? Well, crawl. <laughs> it's called a prayer walk. Do you know when you're praying you're not walking, it's called prayer. How amazing is that, eh? When you sat at home and you're praying, it's called prayer. But when you go outside and you walk, that's why we call it prayer walk. So the idea of going to a community is for God to open our eyes, to give us a sensitivity to, to, into areas that we never thought we'd had. And you know what? It's working. I'm hearing testimonies of people saying, this is our field. This is what I'm sensing. So please, 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 and another please, keep on doing it. Whether you do it for 10 minutes, whether you do it for 15 minutes, you do it for an hour. It doesn't matter. Do it. Get the discipline going in your heart. But when I finish work, it's that go and walk for 15 minutes. If nothing else, the exercise will do you good. If you have a dog, say to the dog, we are now prayer walking. (laughs) If you have children, we are now prayer walking. Don't expect the kids to pray. And don't close your eyes. (laughs) 
Don't close your eyes. Why? Because in this treasure chest that we have in this house, you know, last week when I told you about the, sorry, even today when I told you about the music, that's a treasure. When we look at what we do and how we do what we do as a church, it's a treasure. And there's more treasure in this house than you and I have yet discovered. There's a depth to that box. Amen? Amen? You know, when I walk, when I finally leave this building, they'll take me out of the box. I do not expect any treasure in that box. I expect that box to be empty. Right? There may be flowers on there. There may be curses on that box. I don't know. But do not die full. Die empty. Give everything you've got now because you've only got this life. Well, I could have, I should have, I ought to have. Do it now. And even if you just do the little, you're doing something with what's being asked of you now. God is not going to ask any more than for you to do what he's asking of us and asking of you. Amen? So let's stand to our feet. It's windy and woolly out there, but it's warm in here. This is not a day to have an open air meeting. This could, just close your eyes, this could be like our upper room. We can hear the wind of the Holy Spirit on the outside. But if you see tongues of fire, then you know there's a difference. Father, I thank you for the word that's come to our hearts. There is a treasure in our hearts, there is room for more jewelry. Father, forgive us for being so distant and disdain with what we have. Being so ordinary and mundane with what we have. There's so much more in our hearts. Father, I pray that you will help us to go deeper. To dig deeper. To dig deeper. To dig deeper. You know, I see a picture of the JCB removing the land. Because they're ready to put foundations in. They're ready to go deeper. Right now around us, all around draws and there seems to be development. And you know what? Do not be fooled that that's the only development taking place. Spiritually, God has already has also got his JCB in the ground. And he's turning the soil. And we're doing that through prayer. And the land is beginning to look the way God wanted it and wants it to look. When this land was dry and barren and they cursed it, and then years later it needed development, we began to pray and we say, Lord, give us, give us businesses around here, give us prosperity around here, give us development around here. And here we are in 2020 and we see land and development taking place. But the, we need a church to meet the needs of the development. And God is using us and God will use anyone, any other church who turned to his heart. But right now, we can only be concerned about what God's been speaking to us about. But I see those JCBs in the ground. I see rocks and all kinds of things have been ripped up out the ground, ready for a time of planting. We're about to plant seeds. They're going to have their moment. They're going to have their day. I see families. These seeds will produce families. They'll produce works. They'll produce opportunities. I see miracles. I see a crop such as we've never seen before. There's going to be an unusual crop. One that man cannot produce, but only God himself will produce. The tree of, the, the tree of Tameside will flourish. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God's people. Someone's going to inherit this promise. One generation's going to inherit all that we've planted in the years before. And I'm deeming it's going to be us, church. We're going to inherit things we never built. But we'll build some things. But we'll also inherit things we never built. And the Lord says, just stay doing what you're meant to be be doing. And let me build an infrastructure around you. Let me build a spiritual structure. Let me build a physical structure. Let me build a financial structure. Let me build so many things around you, church, because you're about to see me move in a way you've not seen me before. You've heard and you've heard and you've heard, but you've not yet seen. And because you've not yet seen, you've doubted. But this is not a time to doubt. This is the time to keep on working and let the Lord of the harvest prove 
He is the Lord of the harvest. When you're asleep and I'm working. When you're in trouble, I'm still working. When you're not thinking, I'm still working. I am doing more behind your back than I'm doing in front. But it's what I'm doing in front of you that I want you to know. What you don't know is what you don't know. But I want you to be occupied with what you do know. Father, I pray for the grace to do what we know what needs to be done. In the time it needs to be done. Father, I pray you bring one from this place and two from over there. I pray, oh God, that you'll resource us in the skill area. You'll, you, Father, you'll bring people from different nations. People who carry a heart and skills for certain works that you've got. Uh, available to us, Lord. I pray, Father, right now for the harvest field. I pray that you send us workers, laborers. Right now, Father, I pray that you'll start planting harvest fields in the minds and the hearts of your people. Show your people, oh God, what field they should be studying, what field they need to start moving towards. Father, in the middle of the night, give them dreams. <coughs> Father, I pray that you will put your footprint You'll put your footprint into their hearts. So when they wake up in the morning, Lord, they'll have feelings towards certain things. And then, Lord, you'll begin to speak it in the house. You'll begin to water the seed that you've planted. And slowly but surely, Father, your people will begin to see the leading of the Lord. So, Father, you, you speak from, a, from afar. But, oh God, the more we keep hearing, your voice gets cl up close and personal. So, Father, right now, I pray, guard the seed that's in this house. Because, Lord, we know that the evil one comes to steal seed and trample underfoot. The worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth are also powers to destroy the seed. To so guard your heart and your mind. And let the Lord triumph over you in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.